0: Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Have you ever heard someone say, Well, he can't even walk and chew gum at the same time. (laughs) You've probably heard that, you may me heard that. It's, it's kind of a, an older, a dated expression, but it's a, a negative statement that gives the impression of someone being incapable of even simple things. That, that new guy at work, he seems like a real good guy, but he can't even walk and chew gum at the same time. That's kind of the impression that it gives. It's an old term, but the issue might have some very real relevance, because there have been some studies done about how dangerous it is to be distracted while you're walking, walking with headphones on, listening to music, or even more so, walking with your phone in your hand, texting, talking, or scrolling. We've all seen people doing that the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons made reference to a study that was done that recorded, had video cameras set up and recorded 20 different intersections in the Seattle area. And they analyzed, they analyzed the recordings and determined that people who were on their phones either talking or texting as they crossed the intersection were four times more likely to have some sort of unsafe behavior as they were crossing. Whether they didn't look, or whether they stalled, or what it might be, they had four times different behaviors that were unsafe. Everyone knows that distracted driving is a safety issue. Apparently, distracted walking is also a safety issue. Uh, Walking can be a dangerous thing. Today, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, makes this statement. It says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Now, remember, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's called a book of wisdom. It's all these different wise sayings. Proverbs is all about making good, wise choices. It's about living the right way. And this verse isn't talking about walking down the sidewalk. It's talking about walking through this life. And if we want to walk through this life with confidence, with security, we've got to keep our heads up and we've got to keep looking ahead to where we're going. The Bible says that to walk with security, we need to live lives of integrity. You know what integrity is. How would you define integrity? Integrity is having a deep conviction that is then lived out in your actions. Integrity is honesty. It's purity. It's blamelessness. Integrity is a soundness of your moral character. Integrity is trustworthiness. Integrity is authenticity. It's genuine and it's real. One of the best explanations of integrity that I've ever heard was someone once said that integrity is when who you are in public is also who you are in private. And then the adverse of it, who you are in private is who you are in public. It's the, you're consistent in who you are. And that's good, but really, even more so for the Christian. Integrity for the Christian is even more than that. It's not just about being real, it's also about being righteous. Integrity for the Christian is not just about being real, it's also about being righteous. The Bible makes a very strong correlation between integrity and righteousness. If we look further at Proverbs 10, and we kind of skim through it, take note of how often righteousness is commended. In Proverbs 10, verse 3, it says, The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but He thwarts the cravings of the wicked. Verse 6 says, Blessings crown the head of the righteous, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Verse 7 says, The name of the righteous is used in blessings, but the name of the wicked will not. Verse 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Verse 16 says, The wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. Verse 20, The tongue of the righteous is a choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. Verse 21, The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. Verse 24, What the wicked dread will overtake them, what the righteous desire will be granted. Verse 25, when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Verse 28, the prospect of the righteous is good, but the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. Verse 30, the righteous will never be uprooted, but the wicked will not remain in the land. Verse 31, from the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be silenced. In verse 32, the lips of the righteous know what finds favor, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. That's in Proverbs 10 alone. 13 times. 13 times in that chapter righteous living is commended as something good. It's spoken of in a good way. We are called to live lives of integrity. But the integrity that we live is meant to be an integrity that is defined by righteousness. Proverbs 13:6 Puts it like this, righteousness guards the person of integrity. Have you ever wondered how to have integrity? Have you ever wondered how to develop a life of integrity? According to the Bible, the best way to have integrity is to live righteous lives. But, i got to tell you, when it comes to righteousness... When it comes to living righteous lives, we can't do it. We can't. Righteousness means living right. Righteousness means living right and being right with the Lord. Righteousness means living right, being right with the Lord, and treating each other right. You see, righteousness is a whole lot of right. And you and I know that unfortunately, we don't always get it right. Righteousness is a whole lot of right, and you and I don't always get it right. The Bible confirms that to be true. Romans chapter 3.10 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous. There is no one righteous, not one. When it comes to righteousness... There's no one that is righteous. So is there an inconsistency here? The Bible commends the righteous, tells us, calls us to live righteous, but then it says, by the way, there's no one that's righteous. Doesn't that sound like there's an inconsistency there? When it comes to righteousness, we all stumble and we all fall short. Let me confess something. (laughs) A few days ago, I was... On YouTube, and I saw a video called Hilarious Doorbell Camera Fails. It it was a video that showed different clips, different recorded video clips from doorbell cameras. And as you played the video, it showed people leaving their porch and hitting a patch of ice and slipping and falling down, people coming up and tripping over something on the porch, a delivery man trying to deliver something and the packages all fall. There was a lot of funny stuff. And my confession is that as I watched that, I laughed. I I laughed pretty hard. I don't know why. I mean, why is it so funny to watch people falling over? I don't know why that's so funny. It is, though. Maybe it's because all of us have done it. All of us have fallen down, slipped on something, tripped over something. So maybe it's funny because we can all relate. And it's not really a big deal unless someone gets hurt. If someone gets hurt, of course, that's not as funny. But when we... It's not a big deal when we don't get hurt. But when we stumble when it comes to living right... In living the way that God created us to live, well, that's a big problem. James chapter 2, verse 10 says, Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. You see, we can do our absolute best to try to live right. We can do our absolute best to make the right choices, to live the right way, and if we mess up and stumble at just one point, well, then we've fallen short. We might get to a point where we live pretty clean lives overall. We may be quote-unquote good people, but inevitably there will be a moment when we stumble, a moment where we fall, think about it. How long have you lived as a Christian? How long has it been since you said, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I've devoted my life to him? How long has it been since you've said yes to Jesus and then become a Christian? Has it been a year? Has it been five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, years? How long has it been? Now stop and think. Since that moment, since that moment when you chose to follow Jesus, when you became a Christian, have you ever stumbled? Have you ever given in to sin? You see, all of that time and effort. I've been a Christian for 30 plus, 40 plus years. But yet I still mess it up. I still mess it up. I still make those mistakes. I still stumble, and I still fall. All of that time, all of that effort, and we cannot attain righteousness. We just can't do it. Isaiah 64, 6. Have you ever read that verse? That's a pretty humbling verse. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. That verse ought to humble us pretty quick. Because what does it say? It doesn't say, hey, all of your sinful choices, all the sin that you slip into, all the sin that you give into, all of that is filthy. It doesn't say that. It says all of your righteous acts are like filthy rags. You see, this is what is called a hyperbole, it is an exaggerated statement to make a point. Obviously, our righteous acts, the things that we do are right, are good. But God is saying in his verse to us that if you think they're worth boasting about, if you think there's something that helps you attain what you need to be, no, really, they're like filthy rags. That's very, very humbling. If every good thing we did, was represented by a block, a a block of wood or something. Imagine every good thing that you have done is represented by a block. And you could stack them up, good deed upon good deed, block by block. We could do all the good that we could possibly do. We could give all that we have to the poor. We could carry our Bible wherever we go. We can memorize large portions of the Scripture. We can go to church. We could teach Sunday school. We could become a preacher. We could become a missionary. We could help our neighbors. We could walk along the highways picking up trash. We can give to a charity. We can give to a mission. We can serve meals to the homeless. We can do all of this stuff, stack upon stack, block upon block, good deed upon good deed, and it would still never reach heaven. Here's the bad news. Here's the bad news. All of the good things that we do will never be good enough. All of the good things that we can do are never going to be good enough to cause us to earn or achieve the right position with God. Righteousness. Righteous living might build up our integrity but it will never achieve righteousness. That's the bad news, but here's the good news. The good news is this. Righteousness cannot be achieved, but it is given. Righteousness is given to those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 through 25 says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Righteousness comes from a relationship with God. It comes from having faith in Jesus Christ. So faith becomes that foundation. Our faith in Christ produces righteousness, and then righteousness builds up our integrity. Proverbs says, whoever walks with integrity walks securely. If you want to walk with security, walk with integrity. If you want to walk with integrity, walk in righteousness. If you want to walk with righteousness, put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you might ask the question, you might say, well, how does that work? How does faith faith in Jesus Christ build up our integrity? Well, when we have, in all honesty, when we have placed our hearts turned our hearts over to Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we're saved, the Bible tells us that as Christians, God's presence, His Holy Spirit, moves in and fills us up. And listen to how the Bible describes what the Holy Spirit produces. In Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control are those good character traits are those good character qualities yes they are and i would assume i would assume that if someone is living out those qualities if someone has love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness self-control if someone has those character qualities I would assume that we would call them a person of integrity, wouldn't they? Someone living like that, we would say, that's a person of integrity. Now here's the thing, you could try to work on those qualities in your own effort. You could try to work on those in your own independence, in your own effort. You could say, you know what, I need to be more patient, so I'm gonna work on being more patient. You can say, I need to have more self control, so I'm going to work on having more self control. You could work on it like that, and you could try to build that up with your own effort, and you might have some success. You might become more patient. You might have better self control. It might work, but actually, there's a better way to build up those qualities. There's a better way to have that type of integrity. According to the Bible, those just aren't good moral values to try to live according to. According to the Bible, those are quality characters that are created by the Holy Spirit. They are fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's what God's presence in our life produces in our life. So the closer we come to God... And the more that we allow His Spirit to lead us, the more those qualities begin to describe and define us. The Bible says it like this in Galatians, again, Galatians 5.25. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Living Bible paraphrases this verse and it says it like this. It says, since we are living by the Spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I heard about this couple, and the wife really wanted to go out dancing. And so she asked her husband to take her out dancing, and he was reluctant, but she was insistent, so he finally agreed. So he took her out dancing one night, and during the night, they noticed this one guy on the dance floor who was just giving it everything he got. He was... He was swirling and spinning, jumping, jiving. He even did a cartwheel or two, things like that. He was really into it. And as the couple and the whole room watched him, the wife turned to her husband and she said, see that guy? 20 years ago, he proposed to me and I turned him down. Her husband replied, looked at her and said, looks like he's still celebrating. (laughs) Have you ever tried... Dancing with someone. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the slow dance at the prom or the slow dance at the wedding reception where you just kind of stand there holding each other, swaying back and forth. I'm not talking about that kind of dancing. I'm talking about that real type of dancing, that synchronized, choreographed, proper performance type of dancing. In order to pull it off, the couple needs to keep in step with one another. We need to keep in step with the Spirit, and we do that by letting the Spirit lead. I I looked up what it means to lead when you're dancing. Here's what it says. It says, when it comes to dancing, the lead is responsible for guiding the couple and initiating transitions to different dance steps. And in an improvised dance, the lead is responsible for choosing the dance steps to perform. The lead conveys his choices and direction to the follower through subtle physical and visual signals, thereby allowing the couple to be smoothly coordinated. I love the image of that when it comes to letting the Spirit lead our lives. Because that's what we do. That's what we do. When it comes to living life, we let the Spirit lead. Lead. He guides our transitions. He guides our steps. He chooses the direction that we go. And the best way to follow the Spirit, to let the Spirit lead, the best we can do is get to know the Spirit so we recognize those subtle cues and that direction that He moves us. The best way to follow the lead is to get to know Him. But I'm going to say that with a word of warning. Because when we get real about letting the Holy Spirit lead us, that means that we're giving God the control of our lives. And and that's a big thing. Because that means that every decision that we make is filtered through the Lord's will. Do I want to go to church this Sunday? Well, what would the Lord want me to do? Do I want to say yes to this What does the Lord want me to do? Do I want to hold back on this and sacrifice this in my life? What does the Lord want you to do? We filter every decision through the Lord's will. That's what it means to let the Spirit lead us. We're not asking, what do I want? We're asking, what does God want? Francis Chan wrote a book about the Holy Spirit called Forgotten God. And here's what he said. He said, I honestly believe that most of us, while we might say we want to be led by the Spirit, we're actually scared of this reality. I know I am. What would it mean, what if he asks you to give up something you're not ready to give up? What if he leads you where you don't want to go? What if he tells you to change jobs, to move? Are you willing to surrender to him no matter where he wants to take you? Am I? Are we going to let the Spirit lead us? Are we going to keep in step with the Spirit? The best way to know how and where the Spirit leads is to know the Word of the Lord, is to know the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We've got to know the Spirit. We've got to recognize His subtle guidance. We've got to know the Lord. And we can only know the Lord by spending time in His Word, by reading, studying, and being with His body, the church taking time to pray and commune with the Lord. I'm convinced that there's many of us that sometimes end up going through life with our heads down. We're walking through the day clueless, oblivious to what's taking place around us. And because we're so distracted, I'm afraid that we're headed for a fall. Proverbs 10.9 said, whoever walks with integrity walks securely. Integrity comes from a righteous life. A righteous life cannot be earned. It's given by God through faith in Christ. When we have faith, God's spirit works in our life. And when we have his spirit and let his spirit lead us, the spirit builds up our character and shapes who we are. People known for love, joy, peace, patience goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't walk through life with your head down. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. Keep in step with the Spirit. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the Word of God be living and active in your life.